Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. I am the Downey half of this duo. I am Trey Downey, and as always, with me every single week is the Martez half of this show, the one and only Lynn Martez. What's up, Lynn? Good evening to you, Trey Downey. Let's talk a little OTAs and let's talk potential trades when it comes to one of the best wide receivers over the last decade in the NFL. That's right. We're going to dig into OTAs first. And as Len mentioned, I mentioned it at the end of last week's show that we would get into some of the rumors involving Julio Jones and a possible trade away from one of the Bucks' biggest rivals, the Atlanta Falcons. Things picked up even more steam this week thanks to uh, a certain phone call on a certain television network earlier this week. We'll discuss that. Uh, I'm sure Lynn and I definitely both have pretty uh, strong opinions on that considering our history in radio and live programming when it comes to uh, cold calls and things like that. And then uh, we're going to get into some possible trade partners for Julio. But First, uh, even before we get to OTA, just a little quick social reminder. Uh, throughout the week, follow us on Twitter. Follow myself at TD Experience and follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. And a big reason you follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810 is because of the great videos he dropped from being at OTAs earlier this week and speaking with Bruce Arians. You also saw those on the Bucks Nation Twitter page at Bucks underscore Nation. Lynn, last week we were talking about rookie minicamp, and that was just a case of 25 guys or so out there out there in shorts. This this week they were still in shorts, but it wasn't just the rookies. We had some more of the vets out there. Now a lot of them are just specifically training with Tom Brady over at Steinbrenner Field, but uh, some new faces, some old faces. Uh, was it interesting? Was it interesting to you to see who was and who wasn't out there at the Advent Health training facility earlier this week? Well, let's just say that twenty-two and one, meaning, and that's not a record. That's twenty-two starters, and the one being Antonio Brown, who happened to sign on Tuesday, weren't at. OTAs. And when it comes to the 22 and one, 23 guys not being there, Bruce practically said, you know, he'd love to have the vets in the meetings watching film, but even if they were attending OTAs, they would not be on the field. The guys that need to be on the field are at OTAs. And and that's approximately 38 to 40 guys who are battling to get on the roster when it comes to the 2021 season. Um, and with that, you have guys who have NFL experience who are, we call veterans that have played for the Buccaneers, whether it be last year or previous years. You've got probably about, I'd say roughly about maybe about noticeable 10 guys. So a quarter of the guys, we could flat out say, hey, we've seen them play. Ryan Griffin was out there third string quarterback, potentially fourth string quarterback, potentially practice squad quarterback, which is something we can certainly discuss because I flat out asked Bruce, Bruce Arians in regards to the likelihood you carry four quarterbacks 
because you drafted one mm -hmm. in the second round. Now, I know you're going to have a strong opinion when it comes to if it became the fact that Kyle Trask ends up being a practice squad quarterback and Ryan Griffin ends up being the third string. You certainly would wonder if the Bucs would or have wasted their draft pick when it comes to Kyle Trask. And we've got a long time to discuss that. But I know you, I know you, Trey Downey, and I know you would be doubting Trey Downey when it comes to the fact that if, if Kyle Trask ends up being a practice squad quarterback, you'd have your doubts in regards to how, let's say, how, how well the draft pick worked out. I will point this out. Bruce mentioned the fact that they carried two and a practice squad guy. But that's not actually totally accurate when he answered my question on Tuesday. And that was correctly pointed out by Greg Allman from the Athletic. Because of Josh Twitter. Rosen. Correct. Because last year you had Tom, you had Blaine, you had Ryan, and you had Josh Rosen, as you mentioned, on a practice squad. So they've carried four before. One guy being on the practice squad, but I only bring that up because I know Kyle Trask ends up being that guy on the practice squad, which probably wouldn't be the guy. Um, you would be thinking, wow, they drafted a guy in the second round and put him on the practice squad. Well, to be completely honest, if they keep four quarterbacks in this situation, I would have some question marks, regardless of whether trask is technically your your practice squad guy or if he's inactive or whatever because i would want if trask isn't the backup for this team i would like to be him to be getting a lot of reps during practice and if you're keeping ryan griffin as well as your quote-unquote practice squad quarterback he's going to be taking a lot of reps with the scout team and if trask isn't going to be your backup is if he isn't going to beat out gabbert then that would raise more question marks from me where, as I said, I think that he should be able to go into camp and beat out a Blaine Gabbert. It's going to be, I don't necessarily think that that is written in stone that that's going to happen. And as you and I discussed, I don't even know if that's part of Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and Jason Light's plan for Trask. I personally would just hope that if he is going to be the quarterback of the future of this football team in two years or possibly even less that he would show the talent that he is possibly a better option if Brady were to go down than Gabbard. But that's a discussion for a different day because I, it's, for me personally, I think that Griffin is going to have to really impress if he's going to be on this roster period uh, come this fall it is a little bit different the way that the NFL has expanded the practice squads and things like that. It does open up who you can carry. But as I said, especially if Trask isn't going to be the backup, you want him to get a ton of reps in practice. And I don't, I don't, I don't see truly a benefit in keeping Ryan Griffin unless Trask wins the backup job and they let go of Blaine Gabbert, then you can keep, Griffin as your practice squad guy. Let's remember something. And I brought it up. So, yeah. so you know, you can, you can harp on me. It's May. It is May. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen between now and then. And that's what I told you when you mentioned the fact that, you know, you want him to beat out Blaine Gabbitt. Mm -hmm. Let's, this is, this is from Mookie Camp 
to OTAs. He's learning the he's learning the playbook. So more and more getting comfortable with being an NFL quarterback. And they're still doing things in shorts. So give it some time. And then, but again, I brought it up, but I only brought it up because I know the way you are. But with that said, hold that thought. Okay. With that said, I mentioned like veterans being out there, right? Anthony Nelson, a guy who yeah. at some point is going to be battling Joe Tryon for playing time, right? Because here we are, you and I discussed Joe Tryon, first round pick. You know, he, he looks like the Adonis. He's got the build. He can, he can do all the things that you want him to do on film. He can bend. He, he, we even talked about potentially him playing inside, although Todd Bowles, who met with the media today, discussed the fact that let's get him in the building first. Let's get him practicing first. Let's get him in the playbook first. Let's get him into all the things that we got to get him into before we put him in, before we decide we're going to put him in the, in the middle or, or put him inside as opposed to outside. Let's what, get him what, outside first and get him comfortable playing outside first. Was Tryon actually a participant on uh, on Tuesday this past week? I saw photos of him out there. Did he participate at all? Photos of him out there with no helmet, which okay. tells you what. That he was not a participant. Was there, was there, the uh, photos that... The photos I that Elmore I saw was him running out. I know Elmar on... 810 on Twitter. Elmar 810 on Twitter had photos of Joe Tryon. And I don't think there were, I don't think there's a photo of him with a helmet. So that tells you. He wasn't a participant. Maybe I need to follow uh, Elmar 810 more closely on Twitter. Maybe I need to set notifications to my phone, something Show like that. Love, just man. like, just like all, all of you out there need to do. But uh Continue your your discussion of one Anthony Nelson, who I thought showed some uh, pretty good flashes as basically the third outside linebacker last year. Yeah, not just last year. Remember two years ago, his rookie season, that Thursday night game against the Panthers when Cam Newton was still a Panthers quarterback and they still had a guy in Christian McCaffrey and Nelson was making plays in that game. Mm-hmm. Caused a fumble. So he's made plays in the last two seasons. Now, granted, he's a fourth-round pick as opposed to a first-round pick. But Todd Bowles talked about that today. Defensive coordinator talked about that today. Look, once you get into the building, once you start getting in those meetings, once you get on the playing field, um, first round, second round, third round, free agent, all that stuff, when you get the reps, make plays. That's basically what, what guys want to do. And Anthony Nelson, he's – He's probably got he's got a leg up on guys because he's been here two years and he's shown flashes. So he's a guy that you like. Kudos for him for being here. But again, the guys that were out there that we can name that we know of, as opposed to having to look on our roster and actually look at them and be like, who's this guy wearing this number? Mm -hmm. Those guys that we know are guys that are there at OTAs to solidify a roster spot, you know? And you think about a guy like Gio Bernard, Giovanni Bernard. That's where I was going to go next. New guy, right? Yep. New guy, but he's got to get in the playbook. And he's going into a running back room that's pretty crowded. Yep. You know, Gio's accustomed to getting 100 and. 50, 160, 170 touches within a season. Granted, he's been accustomed to sharing carries. Did it with Jeremy Hill throughout his career, nine-year veteran. But he's still a guy that's accustomed to getting 160, 170 touches. 
whether it be 40 catches, 130 carries, whatever it is, he's not going to get that here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, unless someone gets hurt. And, you know, it's going to be Leonard Fournette and it's going to be Ronald Jones. However you want to, you know, hash it out. Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Whatever it is, those two guys are going to be the guys that are going to get the majority of the touches and the carries. Gio is going to be going to have to be comfortable with potentially being a third down back, if that much. But he's a professional, and the guy says and guy says and does all the right things. And one of the right things he's done is he's gone to OTAs and he's also uh, worked out with Tom Brady and the rest of the veterans that did their private workout. Yeah, Tom Brady and the rest of the the veterans, the guys that had your roster spots locked up training over at the the Yankees spring training facility right across the street from Raymond James Stadium and not too far from the Advent Health training facility. But as I said, I was going to go to Giovanni Bernard next because he is one of the players that spoke to the media via Zoom after practice. And another player that spoke to the media via Zoom as well was Keyshawn Vaughn who the Bucs drafted last year, running back out of Vanderbilt. And in seeing Keyshawn Vaughn last year in very limited spurts, uh, obviously there wasn't the kind of pressure or the kind of expectations on Keyshawn Vaughn that there were on a Ronald Jones at the very top of the second round. Uh, and the Bucks really needing a starting running back. Keyshawn Vaughn was supposed to be, you know, possibly that third down guy. Keyshawn Vaughn, Giovanni Bernard, Lynn, in your opinion, was was Bruce asked about this? If it if if it comes down to it, are these guys competing for a roster spot? Do you? I know it's early. Do you see the Bucks keeping both of these guys? How do you think that kind of shakes out behind uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette? Well, let's remember what happened last year. You you had the two guys I mentioned as far as Fournette and Ronald Jones, but you also had Lashawn McCoy. Yep. was on this, this roster too. So Gio pretty much is now LaShawn McCoy. And again, depending on, you know, how the health is with those other two guys ahead of him, he's probably going to get as much playing time as LaShawn got, maybe a little bit more because he's younger and he doesn't have the, the, the tread on the tires that LaShawn does or did. But as far as Keyshawn Vaughn's concerned, the biggest advantage that he has is special teams. You know, he played yeah. 10 games. He played 10 games last year and there were moments, you know, he had 26 carries. Uh, he had a handful of catches, even had a touchdown, but he got hurt. The biggest thing that he needs to do, he has an advantage. I mentioned special teams. That's an advantage that he has a disadvantage or maybe what may be holding him back somewhat is pass catching skills. It's not his strength. And it's Geo's strength. Yeah. And because of that, when you talk about playing, you know, third down, that's going to be Geo. Keyshawn could still end up being fourth running back on his team, but he's going to have to do it on special teams and refine and work well, get, get your catch, pass catching skills up. And honestly, he knows that. And so does, so does Bruce. So does his offense. The offensive coaches know that. That's what he needs to work on. And he's out there in OTAs. So perfect time to work on it now. I completely agree with you. And 
when you're talking about, you know, this running back room, Keyshawn Vaughn, if, if he's not going to develop as a pass catcher, I don't see him taking straight up carries from a Ronald Jones or a Leonard Fournette at this stage in his career. So if he's going to get playing time as a running back on this football team, he's going to have to develop as a pass catcher. And his goal would be if he's going to make it as a running back on this team is to take playing time away from Giovanni Bernard, because I don't see him this year, at least taking playing time and carries away from guys like Fournette and guys like Ronald Jones. Uh, Lynn, another uh, scenario I want to, I want to talk about how I mentioned it last week when we were talking about Jalen Darden, the rookie wide receiver out of North Texas, who Bruce Arians spoke a lot about at rookie minicamp. That's another guy who is going to be, we talked about how crowded this wide receiver room is and a guy that I've been high on as a rookie or as high on as I, you can be, even when he was a rookie was Justin Watson when they drafted him out of, out of Penn. Uh, is Justin Watson going to have to do something crazy here in camp to really secure a roster spot? I liked a lot of what he did on special teams not as a returner, he does, that's not really his skill set, but the Bucks drafting Darden and him having the ability to be a kick returner, I think that he could definitely steal that roster spot from Watson, especially if you're counting on, you know, Miller and Antonio Brown definitely uh, being a part of this roster come September. You know, it seems like we've been dealing with, and not a bad thing, it's a good thing, you put as the former coaching staff actually stated before Bruce got here, mm -hmm. you're putting good people out on the street. Meaning when you have a crowded wide receiver room and you've got to cut players that are good enough to make your team, but you can't keep everybody. And that's the situation that's going to happen in 2021 when it comes to the wide receivers that play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've already discussed it multiple times. There's five guys that are locked up they're not going anywhere. We can discuss it again, whether it be Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Antonio Brown, and Tyler Johnson. Yep. Those guys aren't going anywhere. With that, you've got guys like Cyril Grayson, O'Grayson, and Jaden Mickens, Justin Watson, and now you draft a guy in Darden who are battling somehow to find a way to make this football team and the three guys I mentioned first, whether it be Grayson, Mickens, and Watson, I mean, I talked about putting talent out on the street. It's going to happen again in 2021. The Bucs are going to put talented players out on the street that have NFL experience, and those three guys have it. And those three guys, you know, have a ring, have a Super Bowl ring, as opposed to a guy like Darden who played in North Texas and, you know, was second in the nation in wide receiver touchdowns last year, who's probably going to make this team as a special teams guy because Keith Armstrong, special teams coordinator, talked about it today. He may be just doing it with the jugs machine right now when it comes to catching punts, but Armstrong paid him a great compliment when it comes to stating the fact that he has soft hands and you can't even hear him catch the football. That's coming from a special teams coordinator that's been in this league 20, 25 years, and I've seen a lot of guys catch punts. And that's a huge compliment coming from a guy that's going to make, going to at least be part of the decision-making 
far as who's going to return punts on his football team. And you mentioned uh, Mickens and the Bucks used him in, in spots as a, as a return man last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We're, we're looking back, you know, a couple of years ago, look at the Dante dies and those guys that ended up on, on the street that Bobo. Yeah. Bobo Wilson that we thought really could be contributors on this football team. So that's definitely something that we're going to have to watch going into training camp and moving forward. Uh, as the Buccaneers go into the 2021 season, something that we've mentioned, uh, both of us have mentioned so far today is that Tom Brady and the other veterans are training over at the Yankee spring training facility, right down the street from the Advent health training facility. And you mentioned Bruce Arians and he was talking to the media and speaking about how, you know, these guys wouldn't be on the field, but he would like to have them in the meeting rooms and watching films and things like that. But another thing that he mentioned was that, he offered Tom Brady and those guys the opportunity to use the Advent Health training facility for these private off-season workouts, and they chose not to. Do you have any issue with that? Did Bruce seem to make any, any kind of big deal out of it whatsoever? No, absolutely not. Again, and I'm quoting him, would love to have the vets in the meetings, watching films, be in the building. But as far as you know, them being adding animosity? No, absolutely not. No, because the bottom line is Bruce mentioned, hey, use the field if you want for your own protection. Yeah. Because, because if something were to happen, you know, Juwan James, God bless him, Denver Broncos gets hurt away from the Broncos facility. And now they don't want to pay his $10 million contract. Well, Bruce openly said, hey, for your own protection, come work out here. It's in our facility. So God forbid if something were to happen, you're covered. That's the only, that's the only thing that's been, you know, hasn't gone the way he wants it to have, having his players protected. Because that's the type of guy that that's the type of culture stuff that he's going to have. He's going to want his guys covered. He knows they're doing the work. He's having conversations with his, his seven-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's talking to Tom, feeling his knees feeling great. He's out there working out. And let's face it, if you can't be there as a coach, who would you want running things there? Tom Brady. <laughs> so you know things are getting done. You know things are getting done. And, and, and that's, I mean, come on, man. We're talking about, we're talking about you know, TV 12, avocado, man. I thought you were going to go, uh, go Allen Iverson on me there for a second. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. Not practice, a game. Man. Not a game. Practice. No, practice matters. No, it does. <laughs> practice matters. <laughs> I love me some AI. Number three, big fan. But uh, when it comes to these workouts, it, it matters. And as far as the attendance is concerned, that's the, that's the, that's the thing that tells you the most. Like Tom's getting guys to go. He's not Anybody? out in Hawaii like other quarterbacks that wear uh, number twelve. Don't go there, man. That guy's got his guy's got he's got his, he's got a plan. Leave him alone. <laughs> leave leave leave, leave Aaron alone, man. Leave, leave Aaron Rodgers alone. Anyway, Tom gets everybody to attend these things, man. If Tom's calling you, right? If Tom's calling you. Hey, we're working out. He's not asking up. you. He's Sign not asking up. you if you're coming. He's saying we're working out. Be there. 
Right. He's not saying, oh, can you be that? No, no, no. I'm the seven-time Super Bowl champion. I'm the GOAT. <laughs> you need to show up to practice. Not a game. Practice. For sure. And we will uh, see Tom Brady and the veterans out there at the Advent Health Training Facility once we get closer to the season, once we get past these optional uh, team activities, once we get into training camp and things like that. No worries whatsoever uh, on my side, either simply because they were doing this last year when it was harder to do so because of stricter COVID protocols. And Tom Brady found a way to get guys together last year. And we were worried about this team gelling. Took a while, but they gelled at the right time and made a run at the Super Bowl. As you mentioned, Tom Brady, now a seven-time Super Bowl champion, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have two banners at Raymond James Stadium uh, coming up this fall. Now, Lynn, we are going to move away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we are just going to move about six hours north of here to Atlanta, Georgia, or Flowery Branch, where their training facility is. And we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons and a player who has been synonymous with the Atlanta Falcons and been a thorn in the Bucks' side over the past decade, and that is number 11, Julio Jones. Since the NFL draft, there have been rumors that the Falcons were interested in trading Julio Jones for no bigger reason than a cap issue. He has a ton, uh, a huge cap hit this season, and the Falcons are in a position where they are basically in cap hell. They drafted Kyle Pitts possibly as a replacement, and now things are moving on in a quicker fashion uh, because of what happened earlier this week, and it was on Undisputed on Fox Sports 1, Shannon Sharp cold called, and I'm putting that in major quotes, cold called one Julio Jones, and Julio said, I'm out of there. And he was asking him about playing for the Cowboys, which was a valid question, not just because he was sitting across from Skip Bayless. It's because Julio Jones was photographed wearing a Dallas Cowboys uh, shirt in Dallas earlier this week. Before we get into the possible trade destinations, because there are a ton of them to go through with Julio Jones, one of the best players in the league, ton of teams will be lining up for his services. Both of us have been in radio and we worked with a certain person whose initials uh, have the same initials as payday who liked to do cold calls on the radio and, and me and both of us as, as a producer uh, knowing you have to tell people as soon as you want to do this, the first thing you say, if they pick up that phone is you are on the air. Shannon Sharp did not do that with Julio Jones on these radio shows. There was one producer in on Undisputed, I am sure there are a multitude of producers, not just one. So if you ask me if they let that slide and that truly was completely organic, a cold call, somebody's losing their job over it because it is a big snafu. There have been reports out that it is becoming a headache for Fox Sports. I'm still not buying it. It could have been something as simple as, as a text of Shannon saying, Hey, Julio, we're on the air. You mind if I call you and ask and ask a question or two? And if Julio said yes to that, it doesn't matter if he, if he said we're on the air once he answered the phone. I don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say it was staged because I don't know if Julio knew what was going to be the full uh, context of the conversation, but I guarantee you those producers knew that was going to happen. Shannon just didn't uh, – 
get a wild hair up his ass and say, I'm going to call Julio right in the middle of the show. I'm sure the producers knew. And I think Julio knew. What's your take on that whole thing? Do you think it was staged or who knew what, what's your, what's your take on the whole situation? Well, you're right. From a producer's standpoint, it's certainly a job that we've, we've done before, but we've also hosted shows. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, me personally, have had to pick up the phone or text someone and ask them, hey, can you come on at this time? And he set up guests. Yep. Well, for me personally, the reason why I handle things the way I handle things when it comes to guests is because I want them to come on the show again. <laughs> so you treat them professionally and you, you give them the courtesy that they deserve for being a guest on your show. So I've never had it out with a guest on the air. I may have disagreed with someone, but I've openly told them I've disagreed with you. Yeah. But you handle things in a professional manner. And again, because I want them to come back on my show. So with that, I don't know the relationship between Shannon Sharp and Julio Jones, by the way, I've had Shannon Sharp on, on a show that I've done before. Awesome guest. Gave me, gave me 15 minutes of his time during the Super Bowl back in 2007 and, and, and actually predicted that the, the Giants were the team that could give the Patriots the hardest time because of their front four and going after Tom Brady. But that's neither here nor there. When it comes to knowing whether or not that was staged or not, if you gave me money to bet what I bet it being staged yeah but only if you can confirm whether or not it was if some at some point if someone comes out and says yeah it was staged because just from the context of what what came out of the conversation I'm not buying that both guys didn't know what was going on I'm not buying that Julio didn't know that this was live Put yeah. it that way. And I mean, it, a lot of people. And I don't know. And I don't really think that Shannon would do that. That's my thing. Like I said, yeah. as far as, listen, you can be, you can be the, 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 the best host there is. You can be, you can be from Colin Cowherd to, to Jim Rome to Dan Patrick. You can be as popular as hell and have the greatest sports radio show. But would you really want to do that to somebody? Because, again, you're risking not only that relationship, but others. Like, other people would see how you handle this with Julio Jones. And I, you, don't think, I don't think that Shannon, I don't think that Shannon's that, that dumb to handle that relationship like that. Shannon's not new to the, to the media game. He's been doing no. this, been doing this no. for years. I told I, you I had him on a show 13 years ago. Yeah. And as I, and his brother is part of the, has been part of the media for even longer as well. So, I mean, and I mentioned this, that show I'm sure has a ton of producers. So even if it, if it were to have been completely organic and there weren't, as soon as producers saw him, pull out his phone in his ear saying, you have to say we're on the air. You have to say we're on the air. I just think that it could have been as simple as, Hey, Julio, we're going to, we're going to call you. I saw some people on Twitter saying that Julio must've known based on the time and stuff that undisputed was, was on the air and Shannon was working that day. But 
I, I don't think that that's a valid excuse because if you, you ask me right now, I consume a lot of sports media, exactly what time uh, undisputed is on. I'm not, is it, is it six to nine? Is it, is it, you can't even get, you can't even get your, you can't even get your, your close friend and co-host tweets right. So, I mean, obviously if if I asked you, if I asked you right now, Lynn, every single, do you know the exact time undisputed airs? I don't watch it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I don't want, I mean, but, but I'm, but I'm not, I'm not friends with Shannon. I'm not friends with Skip. I mean, you think Julio gets up and watches undisputed every single day i'm not saying he does but no no no. i'm just saying as far as knowing exactly when they might have a relationship yeah no i hear you but here's the thing too is i think that you can say what you want about skip bayless he's completely changed how the sports media game is viewed and the embrace debate and all that kind of stuff the show on fox sports it doesn't do great ratings and since that happened earlier this week Undisputed this week has pulled some has pulled their best ratings not during football season that they've ever pulled. So obviously it worked to create that kind of traction and that moment worked for a lot of people who you and I know a lot more of the ins and outs of how those things work. Uh, as far as if you're just you know someone sitting on their couch that watches first take and Undisputed every single day, you're like, oh my god, this definitely had to be real julio didn't know but for people who understand the you know how the the laws work and stuff like that and talking about those kind of calls it it just seemed a little seemed a little fishy for me but it did create create a great moment for that show and created great content for them and something for that we're talking about right now whether it was staged or not because even if julio knew that that was coming it still takes some balls and it, t- it shows you where that relationship with the Falcons is for him to just come out and say that. And that might even, it's even a bigger story if he did know that they were on the air and he went ahead and said that in my opinion. Okay. But he, you pulled the curtain back a little bit when it, when it comes to the average person watching undisputed and thinking that you don't have to tell someone, Hey, we're actually on the air. Mm-hmm. You pull the curtain back because pick a radio station, pick a morning show, and it doesn't have to be sports. Pick one. They're constantly, constantly, quote unquote, cold calling people and, you know, joking and, and, and you know, pulling a gag over on them, right? Spoofing them and all that kind of stuff. But yet you and I both know you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You physically have to, you, you really have to verbally tell somebody, this is a gag. We're going to record it. But we're letting you know that this gag has actually happened. So you're driving around and you're listening to your morning show, trade down and let Martez is going to pull the curtain back and let you know them gags you hear on, on, uh, on your, your, your wacky morning show. Whatever station you listen to, they're not real. <laughs> yeah, the ones where they're catching people cheating and calling yeah, people's all exes all that, and all things that, like that. All yeah, Lynn, Lynn just Lynn just ruined Christmas for you, you avid early morning radio <laughs> listeners. But Lynn, let's get into it. Uh, even though Julio, it was ob- it's been out there that he 
had requested a trade. Adam Schefter had reported that. It was reported around the draft, as I've mentioned multiple times, that the Falcons were looking into trading him uh, because of their cap issues. Do you think what happened on Undisputed in these comments, do you think it expedites it at all or do you or anything like that or was just this just going to happen no matter what no no his bags were packed at the door yeah so i mean it's not like he he, it's not like he still had stuff in the dresser and he was still packing his bags have been packed they're at the door they're waiting for the movers to show up so what happened on undisputed didn't change that that doesn't know that that didn't change that i mean it's gone if, it, is gone. if anything, it hurts the Falcons' leverage a little bit as far as eh, what... Eh. Okay, I'll, I'll agree with here's, you on that. You know how you had... Le- here's how you had leverage. You had leverage if you were o- openly not considering trading him. We know that's not true. <laughs> but also, I think that there, I think you, that there we are... Know, no- we know, we know they're in cap hell. They got to get rid of the dude. There's no leverage. You well, got to get rid of the dude. And there are enough teams that are interested in yes. him. It's that, not like they're dealing with you. one person. Yeah. It's not like they're dealing with one person and they have the cap space to keep him. <laughs> There's no exactly. leverage. All right, There's no now, leverage. All right, now let's get into it. Let's get into possible trade partners for Julio Jones. It was reported er- earlier today, actually, that this trade could happen as early as next week it had there have been a multi a multitude of teams that have been reported as interested in julio jones even going as far back to draft night and talking about the baltimore ravens who ended up drafting two wide receivers that they were interested in julio now you've got basically the entire nfc west i've even seen people mention the packers even though they don't have a ton of cap room but it also was reported that the falcons would prefer to trade him to an afc team to get him out of the nfc and i think when you're talking about the afc i think if you're gonna make this move and you're gonna take on the contract that julio jones has i think that you want to be a team that's fairly close that getting julio jones could truly make you a contender to challenge the top teams in the AFC. Because if you ask me right now, I think the class of the AFC is Kansas City and Buffalo. And I think that you'll have a multitude of opinions as who who that third team could be to possibly step up and challenge them. I think a lot of people right now would circle the Browns as that team, but I'm going to mention the two teams that I think would be best suited if they were to get Julio Jones, could possibly jump the Browns for that number three spot. And they're both from the AFC South. One has the cap room, one doesn't, but one also has been more heavily rumored in trading for Julio Jones. And that's the Tennessee Titans. They don't have the cap room that the other team from the AFC South does in the Indianapolis Colts who have almost $20 million in cap room. Whereas the Titans have about three and a half million in cap room. AJ Brown has been very vocal on social media and trying to recruit Julio Jones. If either of those teams were the ultimate destination for Julio Jones and they get a healthy Julio Jones, I'm circling either of those teams as possibly being a spoiler 
to get into that AFC championship game. And if you get to the AFC championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl, anything can happen. Those are the two teams that I have my eye on that if you're talking about Julio saying he wants to win, the Falcons want to trade him to the AFC. These are teams that could possibly get over the hump. Those are the two teams that I'm looking at more so than the other two teams in the AFC that have been mentioned in New England and in Denver. I don't even consider Denver a real viable landing spot for him. And you don't have the quarterback. We're going to get in an argument about Drew Locke again, but I, I like Drew Locke. Okay. But I don't think Denver's don't, competing. Don't forget the conversation. Division. Okay. But don't forget the conversation that did take place on the undisputed. I want to win. I didn't want to go to Dallas. So what the hell is Drew exactly? What the hell is Drew Luck want? I'm not, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to him or Teddy Bridgewater. Neither. It's just, it's just a reality. Yeah, those guys have not won anything when it comes to winning in the NFL. So he's going to turn down playing with Dallas, who has a quarterback, at least a franchise quarterback while Denver's still trying to find their franchise quarterback. Again, no disrespect to Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke. Bottom line is, those guys aren't as good as other quarterbacks in the league. And that landing spot in Denver, to me, is not, is not legit when it comes to where Julio would want to go. Yeah. You, mentioned, you mentioned Tennessee. I mean, it... it it makes sense because it gives them another weapon, but you got to know what to do with those weapons. And I don't know that Tennessee is open enough when it comes to, and I don't mean, I don't mean anything other than the playbook. Do they want an offense that's good enough to utilize Julio Jones as best as possible? Imagine that what, if they were open, they enough, don't do it though. The play action capabilities with Julio that's Jones, not, AJ but that's Brown, not, no, and Derrick Henry no, as your no, back. No, no, because that's not that's not how they do things. They want it. They want it. It's not a matter of play action. It might be cool to think that they would take carries away from Derrick Henry, but that's not their that's not their offense. Their offense is to give it to the guy who they just gave a contract to a couple of years ago. They just gave Derrick Henry a bunch of money and they gave Ryan Tannehill a bunch of money. But if you want it, if you want that money to be worth it for Derrick Henry, you maybe you want to take a few carries away from him and having Julio Jones on the outside, maybe that makes teams you better change run their how you defense. Do, you better change how you do things then. You better change how you do things because that's not how they that's not how they play. They don't play like that. I mean Matt LaFleur they have enough. Was, they he have was their former offensive coordinator open things Brown? up with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Okay, great. Because he, he had a quarterback that was an MVP before he got there. And then that guy won the MVP again. Yeah. God bless Ryan Tannehill, but he's not an MVP quarterback. I mean, he won playoff games with less than 100 yards passing. And you want and you want Julio Jones to go there? No. I think Indy's happen. the best fit still. I, I, I would tell you. you Indy is the best fit when it comes to 
looking at things and, and the need for them to have a really bona fide number one, Julio being Julio of 2017, 18, Super Bowl Julio, if he plays like that, that would be. But I still don't trust Carson Wentz. <laughs> I'm sorry. And as much as he was a money quarterback before he got hurt in L.A. a couple of years ago, that Philly scenario just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I don't know that Julio doesn't feel the same way. His, so do you, I'm, but I'm do you think New spot. England? No, I'm going to give you a spot. I'm going to give you a spot. I'm going to give you a team in the AFC West. And it's the not Chargers? the Chargers? Yes, sir. Yes. Well, I think they're going to, even without I, Julio, I think they're going to be a trendy trendy playoff pick this year. And I, I'm already on cap that space, yeah. Have cap space. Have solidified their offensive line with draft picks they, they drafted this year and have their franchise quarterback. Some good young receivers already, too. Oh, no. Keenan Allen's a beast. Yeah. He's well, a beast. He's not even young. No, but um, yeah, no, no. But I mean, Mike Williams. I'll give, you, I'll give you another team, too, in the AFC East. They just got to find more cap space. Miami? Yep. I mean, is Tua that much in how they – you want to talk about teams opening up their offense. Look at how they ran that offense when Tua was in there last okay. year. Okay, and Tua – ironically, Tua actually has openly said he was kind of timid when it came to playing in 2020. He was timid about yeah. it. He was, and, and to his defense, honestly, when it, comes, when it came to teams playing the Dolphins last year, Teams didn't fear them getting behind their defense. They won't do that this year, not with Waddle. And if you yeah. add Julio, <laughs> you add Julio to that offense. Now, again, the field opens up a little bit because now you've got a double Julio and you got a guy in Jalen Waddle who can run past your guys. 2020 Dolphins offense was limited when it came to. 15 yards, man. You defended them. When you played the Dolphins and you played defense against them, you defended them 15 yards and in. If you get Julio and you got Waddle in that same wide receiver room, you can't defend them that way anymore. Do you think both of us have kind of skated over it, but a lot of people think that the New England Patriots are the favorite. It's been mentioned that Julio would like to play with Cam Newton which is kind of weird to me the way Cam Newton has looked recently with Julio Jones. Do you think that the Patriots are a playoff team? I really want to put trust in what Belichick is doing. And it's not because anything other than just wanting to see him be successful again. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Patriots. Lord knows I've watched enough games of him <laughs> betting against them, <laughs> stupidly betting against them. Um, and, you, you know, what? you watch him play the Rams Super Bowl, it's like, oh, the Rams are going to win this one. You watch him play Atlanta, oh, Atlanta's going to win this one. Yeah, you know, spent plenty of times thinking that, you know, these teams are going to have their number. And you find out that Tom and Bill found a way and they won. But I don't know that. Julio Jones would be better off in New England 
than the other places that we've already mentioned, with the exception of maybe Denver. Yeah. They might be closer, New England might be closer to winning than Denver, but are they closer than the Chargers? Are they closer than the Colts? Are they closer than Tennessee? Those are teams in their, in their own conference, right? We just mentioned three teams. The Chargers are going to be battling more than likely for a wild card, right? Titans and Colts were playoff teams last year. And one of those two teams is going to be battling for a wild card. Miami, in their own division, is going to be battling for a wild card. Won 10 games last year. Where's New England fit in? We just threw out three teams, right? Not to mention, we didn't even bring up the AFC North. Cleveland and Baltimore are going to be battling for the AFC North. One of those two teams is going to be battling for a wild card. And so you don't know what's, what you're going to get out of Pittsburgh, too. They're trying to get their act together. Drafted yeah. a running back. So you want me to tell you New England's going to be a playoff team with or without Julio Jones when I just ran down those other teams right now, structured, structured to either win their own division or be a team that comes out of that division as a wild card. There's too many teams that are better than New England was last year, right now. And I you can... want, not to mention the fact that <laughs> you're counting on number one, Cam Newton. And I'm not looking, I'm not looking for him to, to, to play badly. I, hey, resurrect your career, dude. Play well. But I just mentioned a bunch of teams. Cleveland, Sandy, uh, L.A., Chargers, Indianapolis, and Tennessee. All those teams are either going to win a division or battle for a wild card. If you and ask you me, want me to tell you, and you want me to tell you New England's going to be in the playoffs? No, dude. I'd even throw the Raiders up there as more likely to be in the playoffs next year than New England, in my opinion. I think that the no, – No, their defense, the defense stinks. Yeah, defense. New England – New England's, I mean, maybe with Julio, their offense is is better, but their offense is probably just as bad as uh, Las Vegas's uh, defense is uh, for the Raiders. The for the Bucks' sake, if I'm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I'm hoping that Atlanta sticks to their guns and trades them to an AFC team, because if we've talked about it, both of us have gone on record as saying that we think that the Los Angeles Rams are the biggest obstacle in the Bucks getting back to the Super Bowl. That's barring something happening with, with Aaron Rodgers and him going back to Green Bay or being traded to another good team in the NFC. But if they were to somehow get Julio Jones, and heck, even if you want to throw, throw Arizona in there, which is a team that's been heavily rumored, I – I think that that definitely secures them as far as a playoff team. I don't necessarily think that that means they're competing with the Bucs, but I think out of the Rams, obviously are, would be worst case scenario for the Bucs. But if you're talking about 49ers who have also been rumored versus Arizona, I think Julio to Arizona makes, I would be more worried about that scenario than Julio to San Francisco I just think Arizona has the capabilities to to be a better team because I I can't see especially with the the cap scenario there's no way that San Fran is able to get Julio and Aaron Rodgers which some people think 
could happen. Okay, but even if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, you think the Cardinals are a better football team than the 49ers? Yes. Oh, no. No. They can't even run the football, dude. Kind they got a, James Conner now. Okay, and you got you got a you got a Steelers who had a better win. record last year. You got a Steelers. The Niners couldn't stay healthy all last year. You got a Steelers reject. The Steelers couldn't run the football with James Conner. He can't stay healthy. I mean, he's okay. I mean, it's you not know, like the 49ers have you, you a know, bell cow running back. They don't need one. They put, they can put you back there and you can get 700 yards. Wow, that's saying something. I really I'm not like gonna Kyle. Give you a thousand. I, I was I'm not going to give you a thousand. You'll be hurt by week three. I really like Kyle Shanahan's offense, but I you saw flashes from Arizona last year. Arizona should have been should have been in the playoffs last year. They fell apart the last couple of weeks of the season and Chicago limped in and we saw what happened with that. I think Arizona is a especially if the their quarterbacks stay the same as they are right now. Kyler Murray versus Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Arizona is a much more dangerous team in 2021 with or without Julio Jones. Now, if you throw Julio Jones on San Francisco, maybe that makes San Francisco a better team than Arizona. But they are one dimensional, dude. They can't run the football. Kyler Murray is their leading rusher 10, 12 games out of the year. It's not going to work. They cannot run the football. That's why he got banged up last year at the end of the year. And that's why they were losing games to Seattle the way they were losing. Because Seattle was keen on him because they can't run the football. They're one-dimensional. And it's why when you can't run the football, you know what you, know what you do to your wide receivers? <laughs> you draw all the attention to them. And DeAndre Hopkins got all the attention from teams that played the Cardinals near the latter part of the year last year. They can't run the football. But if you have Julio, that lightens that up, man. Okay, that's fine. You're still throwing it all the time. You have to have some balance, and they can't get balance. The most balanced team. AJ Green. The most balanced team, potentially most balanced team in the NFC West is the 49ers. I think you're a little two years, ag- two years ago, dude. Again, they put anyone back there running the football. Their offensive line was just mauling people. They were getting hundred yard games from guys that we didn't even know that were getting cut in training camps. Raheem Mozart, Jeff what was Jeff Lewis? Was that his name? I remember his first name. Jeff Wilson. Wilson, that was his name. They signed McKinnon. He couldn't stay healthy. It didn't yeah. even matter because they just put guys back there and those guys ran through holes. Tevin Coleman didn't even have a have a great run out there like didn't I have he to. would. Yeah. Didn't even need him. Didn't even miss him. Because they just know. put guys back there that you know ended up playing well. And you want to talk about teams that Matt you... Breida? Matt yeah. Breida? <laughs> Come on, dude. I can run them down to you. It didn't matter who was back there. They can run the football. They're a physical team that can run the football. If you and they got a little, I don't know that they have as much as they need, but they have enough cap space 
I'm not thinking about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not. That's, they have over 17 million. They, yeah, have, they have enough to make the Julio million, exactly. They have 17 happen. million to make the Julio trade happen. You add him, I don't see them trading it. That trading him to the to the NFC. But if there's a team in the NFC that I'd like to see him go to for him to have success and win a Super Bowl like you should have two years ago, three years ago, San Francisco. Uh, I don't know. I don't see San Francisco getting getting back to the Super Bowl with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, but we'll see what happens. Really? Really? He's already been there. I know. So is Jared Goff. Jack Goff's not on the same team that he went to the Super Bowl. With. Yeah, that's true. He's not on that team anymore. Which, if you, I mean, put Julio Jones on that team. Now we're now we're really Rams? talking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but what are you paying with, dude? You gonna pay with money for next year or the year after? I think they have like two. They have two point seven million or something okay. like that. Which without 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 all the draftees signed. It's true. So the Cardinals have 13 and a half million in, in cap space. Denver, like we mentioned, has over 22 million in cap space, more of any team on the most of any team on this list. The Colts, 20 and a half million. Uh, New England, 16 million. 49ers, almost 18 million. 17.7 million in cap space. The Titans, that's another team where for it to happen, they would have to really work things as far as the cap goes because they have less than four million in explain cap to me, space there explain to me how you nor you or i didn't bring up a team and in, in, in the afc north that is pretty much been going toe-to-toe with kansas city i mentioned the, the ravens we, we, we well, I brought really... up I brought up how the Ravens were the team that was when it the Ravens had talks with the Falcons as possibly doing this trade on draft night, but then the Ravens ended up drafting two wide receivers. That's why I kind of pulled back a little bit on the Ravens. Maybe they so you think maybe they still drafted, make it happen. You drafted uh, Rashad Bateman that that you can't uh, you can't you couldn't Julio. use another one. I mean, you can't I. Take- I Julio, you're I, ready to throw Julio in Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins, but you, but you can't throw him in Baltimore. That's <laughs> I, 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 you obviously, <laughs> you obviously <laughs> could. Hollywood Brown's keeping you from, from putting him in Baltimore. Come on, dude. I mean, Bateman and Julio on the outsides with Hollywood in the slot makes that's a that's a pretty dynamic trio right there. That's that's another team that we that we should. Look out! I mean, if you're willing to put if you're willing to put Julio next to DeAndre Hopkins, there's no there's no receiver that you should say, oh well, we already got him. We don't need we don't need Julio Jones. If you're willing to put him, I hear hear if you're willing to put him in the desert in Arizona with JJ Watt and Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, then there's no other wide receiver that. You should say, oh, well, we already got we already got that guy. We don't need Julio. I was just going based on the reports that are out there and how a lot of these people who know a lot more than you and I do as far as the inner workings of this trade and where he could go to have 
cooled off on the Ravens talking from what I've heard, they seemed like if that trade was going to happen, it was going to happen on draft night. So that's why, that's why I've backed up, backed off on that. We'll close out here in just a second. Trey Downey, Elon Martez, Downey and Martez, Bucks Nation podcast on SB Nation. They said this trade could happen as soon as next week, Lynn. We not, might not be back before the trade happens. I asked you right now. You had to go to Vegas. I gave you a crisp $20 bill, and you put it on one team that Julio Jones is traded to. Who are you putting that crisp $20 bill on? Can you give me four fives? I can bet four teams. No, Cheap, one, one, one team. One team. Not that you think is the best fit, the one that you think happens. Patriots. I'm with you. I don't, I don't think that they're the best fit either, but I, I, I think we could be back here next week, and I think we're talking about Julio Jones as Patriot. I, it's, not it, where I want, it's not where I'd like for him to go because he's talking about winning, and I've already, we've already talked about yeah. the fact that New England's not close. They're just not. I mean, you would like to see them – what improved from seven and nine last year, win 10 more and, and win three more games to get to 10 wins. But what's that going to do for you in AFC? That's, I mean, that, that we tied for second in their own division. And right? missing the playoffs. 10 wins, exactly. did, that didn't get Miami in the playoffs nope. last year. Nope. 10 wins left them outside. So he can, he may end up in New England. That's, that's where I would bet my $20, but that's not a good place in my eyes for him if he's talking about making that run for a Super Bowl because they're not close. They're just not. I completely agree with you, Lynn, but we've also both betted, bet against Bill Belichick plenty of times. And, heck, maybe they get <laughs> – We bet against Bill Belichick and who? The quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Thank you currently. Very much. Thank you. Just make sure we're just make sure we're clear on that because I've been winning bets on Bill ever since Tom <laughs> left. <laughs> All right. When we come back to you next week with another edition of the Bucks Nation podcast, there will be another edition of OTAs to discuss. The Buccaneers practice on Tuesday again next week will be open to the media, and maybe we'll be able to talk about where Julio Jones is playing next season. Uh, maybe Aaron Rodgers will travel back to the continental United States. Who knows? Uh, all that and more next week. He is Lynn Martez. Follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and go to BucksNation.com to keep up with the latest and greatest on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Till next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.